This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along. It's Thursday morning. This week is whizzing by. Nigella Lawson, barred from America. Why? She admitted taking cocaine. They don't, strangely enough, for a country with a huge cocaine problem, they don't want anybody else adding to it. Not that she's doing it now, but it's obviously because it was in the past. They've decided they don't really want her. Men are fast catching up with women when it comes to worrying about the way that they look. Jennifer Saunders says she believes in ghosts. This deadly smog that is covering the country, it's a chew. Terrible in London. Debt hit people. If you're one of those in the debt spiral, you're going to be clobbered. Their bailiff fees are going up. Which is, of course, good news from them, bad news for you. And Doris Day turns 90. All of that and more on LBC This Morning. Hope you're well. Busy day yesterday. Very busy day. We did uh, lovely Ruth Jones, because Stella, Series 3, is out now, and I managed to wheedle it out of her that she's got um, Series 4 in the can, and Series 5 is just around the corner, which is fantastic. Uh, and so yesterday, it was a friend of mine's birthday, and I said, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, let's, let's go to Greenwich. So I said, OK, I haven't been to Greenwich for a little while. I thought, it'd be nice, because you can go and see where uh, Nelson's body lay in the painted hall. I thought, that'd be very nice indeed. So, so we go down, and so we get the, um, the train from, Kings, uh, from um, Waterloo on the Jubilee line. It's quite nice, the Jubilee line. I quite, have you been on it before, the Jubilees? Good, because you don't have to sort of fall into the path of the train. It's got doors which open, and then the train is behind it. Quite clever. So uh, we met there at 11. Get on the train, get off at Canary Wharf. Blimey, that's big. Do you know, it's huge, Canary Wharf. It really has got all these posh shops there and nobody in them, but loads of posh shops and obviously loads of money. And we get the Docklands Light Railway. Hilarious. Never been on the Docklands Light Railway before. I've seen it. It's sort of, it's, it's like a bumbling little... It, it reminded me very much of kind of a ride at Disney. I felt that we were sort of going to go over, and as you go out of Canary Wharf and sort of head down, as we were heading down to Greenwich, you see sort of the lovely houses which are, you know, sort of being built. It's all flats, though, all the way along the side of the Thames. It's all flats, and some of them are really monstrous. And, and you looked, and one, we, were, we were tweeting pictures on the way back, incidentally, of a building that how on earth anything could be built that overshadows the Tower of London, one of our oldest buildings, and these ghastly monstrosities that sit behind them, dwarfing them. You know, you'd think they'd be left and they'd just plant huge trees. But no, 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 they put up these ghastly things. So we're sort of, so we're sort of heading out of Canary Wharf, which is quite nice, you know, bye-bye lots of rich people, hello poor people. And so we did that. And there's a woman who goes to get off the train, and there's three of them. The first woman just walks off with them, and just as the other woman's there, she's obviously got somebody with her, and who's could be special needs or something, whatever it was, I don't know. And the doors start closing, and of course she gets to them too late, the doors close. Well, once the doors have closed, because it's all automatic, they're not opening for anybody, even though there's a control panel there. So she can't open the door, and the person that she's with, because they're a party of three, is standing on the platform, going, get off the train. She goes, I can't open the doors. I can't open the door. She's going through, through the glass. And so the other person, who she's obviously trying to help off the train, bursts into tears. And I'm thinking, oh, and she's trying to push buttons. And a friend of mine said, listen, don't, pu- don't push the emergency button. The, by this time, the train is now moving. So I thought, you can't open the doors anyway. So I said, you don't need to worry. I said, when you get to the next station, just get off and get the train going back in the opposite direction. Oh, my friend won't be there. And she, well, of course, I mean, she's sensible. She'll just be standing on the platform, assuming that you'll be getting off the train at the next one. But it was like a scene from a movie. 
It was really bizarre. You know, person on platform, where are you going? I couldn't get off. And off we went into the distance, leaving this person standing on the platform. And, of course, I thought, if you had a phone, just pick up the phone. She didn't look like she had a phone. I said, we get off at the right station, which was Greenwich, I suppose, Greenwich, whatever it was. And there's a lift there. And the lift, it says, lift holds six people. So I count the people standing by the lift. There's, there's me, my friend, a couple of students, a couple of other people. And, and there were six of us. Fantastic. Six people, so we're all there. And then, and then along comes the, the lift attendant. And with her is an elderly man with a walking stick. So she said to him, you, you come to the front. You come. <laughs> now the seven of us. Now the seven of us. And we're quite clearly not going to be getting on this lift because she's counting. In fact, she counts out loud at the station because the escalator's out. She's counting one, two, three. I think even I can count to seven, love. Three, four, five, six. So my friend gets on. I'm standing outside, so he goes, oh, I'm getting off again. So he, he gets off and we wait for the next lift. But I thought, so it's just sod's law, isn't it? Anyway, we come outside, everything in Greenwich badly signed. You come outside of the station, there should be a sign saying, this way to the cutty side. I mean, luckily, we just sort of followed people. Because it's not too difficult to find and it wasn't too busy. Loads of kids. Loads of kids doing the cutty sark. And, and they trail around. And you know what kids are like? And these were probably six, seven-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds, seven, eight something like that, running around all over the place. Oh, ghastly, noisy people. So we get to the cutty sark. And I'd forgotten what the cutty sark was. I knew it had a fire. And I knew that we have to, we have to preserve it. But for some reason, I thought it was a battleship. I don't know why I was off, off with the pixies that day. And uh, it was a tea clipper. It just held tea. It was known as a coffin ship because they stacked these boxes of tea up so high because tea was so precious. At one point, there was 112% tax on tea. And so there was lots of, um, of sort of uh, smuggling of tea into the country. Tea became very precious. A bit like hot chocolate. It's amazing to think that all the things you take for granted now, years and years ago, were precious. People used to keep tea locked in little chests and hot chocolate locked in little chests because it was so expensive. And it was, you know, so you went round to somebody's house for a tea. Went, tea? But we've been having water. No, we're having tea today. And probably a piece of, piece of cook's cake. And uh, so that was like, So anyway, so, so we go round the Cutty Sark, which is great. It's been raised up now. It's been raised up, so they've coated the bottom of it with lots of plates of metal to hold all the wood in place. And, of course, unlike the Mary Rose, which, of course, was a lot earlier, which was a Henry VIII uh, warship, this particular ship was metal. Metal in construction. So it's a very low beams, though, inside. I mean, people must have crouched down, and now they slept, God alone knows. The toilet facilities appeared to be non-existent. The captain had a toilet, and he was about the only one, but a little tiny cabin. I mean, it was, it was all very nice, but it was £16.50, I think, to go round. And I thought £16.50... Seemed seemed quite a bit, or was it a bit less than that? Perhaps it was about £27. Anyway, whatever it was, we went round, we had a cup of tea there. It's nice, they do food. It's all very nicely laid out, and they've got a little film show that goes on. So I was quite pleased we did that, because the smog came down. And I said to a friend of mine, I said, why don't we go and see the painted hall? And as we're walking, because literally you come round, you go down to the bottom where all the, the cruisers moor up, to take you back up to the West End, because we come down by, by train, but we were going back by river. And we walked to the Painted Hall. As we're walking to the Painted Hall, and it's only about five minutes, there is, um, there is a, a, a lot of wagons there, and I recognised them immediately as being from a film crew. And I thought, they're obviously filming. And this friend of mine said, oh, they always do filming down in Greenwich. It's quite popular. They did Les Miserables down there. I think they did... Um, 
bits of, I think, Queer as Folk as well. All sorts of filming that they've done in Greenwich, because it's fairly old and it's very interesting. And so uh, we go down to the Painted Hall and there's a big sign. The Painted Hall is closed today because of filming. I was fuming. Fuming. So in the end we decided there wasn't, I wasn't going to walk up to the observatory at Greenwich. Uh, so we decided we would come back to London. So we had, we'd had a cup of tea, we'd seen the Cutty Sark, we'd been on the Docklands Light Railway, and I was by this time beginning to begin to feel a bit drowsy, a bit tired. I'd had my medication, and I thought, well, we'll, we'll get the fast clipper back. One of these Thames, and it really does, it bombs along the Thames, it's great fun. And um, I've got this card which gets me a discount. Apparently, if you're over <laughs> 40, you get, a, you get a card, and... Um, and you and uh, you can use this card, and it says show show the card. You get a discount if you use your oyster as well. So, a friend of mine paid six pounds to come back one way, and I paid three pound forty. Three pound forty, fantastic! It was absolutely amazing. So we came back into London and we went to the National Portrait Gallery to see Bailey's Stardust, which runs until the first of June. It's a retrospective of David Bailey's work. And it's all portraits uh, personally selected by uh, David Bailey. I can only tell you that David Bailey, in his time, photographed everybody. There is nobody he didn't photograph. It was like, you know, is there a photograph of this person around? Yes, David Bailey's taken it. He only ever took two exposures of any of his celebrity sitters. He just did two, and it was a fa- fairly big exposure. So this this exhibition, which is, you have to pay for it, but again... I had a card that got me a discount, so I only paid half price, which was lovely. And it's got everything. Everything. All. I mean, I don't know how many pictures he's actually got in there, photographs, but loads of them. So, there's some nudes. Some nudes in there. It made me feel very depressed. And, um, and the rest of it is just lots and lots of celebrities. Lots of black and white. So when you see a colour picture, all of a sudden you go, wow, colour picture. But all in all, that was very good. And then we went to a Mexican place. And we had um, a bowl which is easier. I can't pick up those tortilla things because they just fall apart in my hand and they're just ridiculous. So I decided it was easier to have a bowl. So I had that. Eventually got back on the train, got back home yesterday. Oh, there were two people in first class. Let's just say common. And they've got, they've spread out a picnic on the table in first class. And this woman is eating like she's troughing. I mean, I've never seen people eat like that. You know, people who eat with their mouths open. She was doing that. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And I felt like saying to her, is it possible you could learn how to eat properly? You know, it's just, it was just disgusting. And, she, and, and then the phone kept ringing. And she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, God, save us from people like this. And then I thought, no, you mustn't be bitter about it, Steve. She's probably going for an audition at the Jeremy Kyle show. So there is no point in worrying about it. This is probably what she does. She thinks this is quite normal behaviour. So get in, open a bottle of Prosecco. Very nice. Put my feet up, watch a bit of television. In bed, gone. Asleep. Out for the count. Lovely. Get up this morning. And my double-decker bus turns up again with Dan driving. This time, he has a passenger on board. And so we had a little uh, chat. But uh, there was a woman who walked past me. And when she saw the bus with the doors open, she came, ba- she came back and said, can I get on? Dan said, yeah, you can get on. And uh, anyway, so she ended up falling asleep. I had to wake her up at Tolworth. I'm not sure, he says, if it's Tolworth she wanted. But she got off the bus and walked away. I know, she was walking down Heath Road when I first saw her. And then she, she got on Dan's bus. Hilarious, isn't it? He said, it's getting to be a habit. It's quite good, though. It's, I like the idea of a double-decker bus pulling in. I think that's just hilarious, because you could have the bus to yourself. But there was some bloke sitting on there, but Dan was just, you know, making the time go a little bit quicker. So that was good. So nice to see him this morning. But I thought that woman was going to 
fall asleep. Uh, Kevin says, we can't deport terrorists, rapists or murderers from this country, and paedophiles, but some 19-year-old girl who's hurt nobody and just wants to finish her A-levels is on the first plane out. Well, it was the second plane. She didn't get on the first plane. Do you know what the, what, what the system is? You know, if, if we deny somebody entry to the country who's already here, we don't escort them back to the airport. We give them the flight tickets and they make their own way to the airport. How many do you think do it? Not very many. Not very many. They don't bother to turn up. They just go, is, is those, no, they haven't turned up. And then we have to go through this whole process all over again. Makes me wonder, really. But she has gone now. I thought she could have... Fig- uh, f- I don't know enough about the case to talk about it. Uh... But I thought that they could have let her finish her education. But she was obviously not supposed to be in the country anyway. So if you're not supposed to be here, you get deported. Simple as that. doesn't matter whether you're brilliant or not. There is a rule. There is a law. Talking of a law, do you remember the story I told you the other day of the woman who mysteriously, through the fault of the council, ended up with £52,000 in her bank account? Well, there's another twist to it. This one gets better. It's 4.15. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes uh, past four. Nick Ferrari and the team with you just after the news at seven o'clock this morning. Interesting to note, wasn't it? Very interesting to note that the Farage-Clegg debate didn't uh, seem to attract as much attention as it did when it was on LBC. Because by that time, he'd heard everything. I've just seen a friend of mine who, I mean, he, he knows the oddest people. He turned up in the audience of the Jeremy Kyle show to obviously watch it. I've got no idea why, but he fits in... So well, doesn't he? He looks as though he could actually be a future contestant. Contestants, I don't know. Anyway, Nick Ferrari, the backlash on this uh, Mauritian student, deported by the British government for staying too long in Britain on her travel visa, but should she have been allowed to stay? And the day of the dust turns into the dawn of the dust, but what effect has the Saharan smog had on our health? Made people cough a lot. Plus another unmissable edition of Call Clegg. As Nick Clegg joins us, fresh from round two of his EU debate with Nigel Farage. Looking at the papers today, editor of The Eye, Oliver Duff. Are we now calling The Independent The Eye? Is that the latest thing? Oh, that's the smaller one, is it? Oh, I access I just all of a sudden wondered whether or not something new had come into the equation. I wasn't aware of it. Oh, that's been nice, actually. Very nice. Um, and uh, somebody says, laying in bed listening to you talk about Greenwich, was born there and lived Greenwich and Blackheath for 45 years. As a kid, Greenwich was a bit of a dump. Unless you were well off to live near the park. Now Greenwich, too touristy for me and rip-off prices. Well, it is actually. It is actually very touristy. But there again, that's what makes this country tick. That's how it happens. Kevin the Milkman says, you know, a hard-working student gets deported, but an Italian mafia don stays. Yeah, well, I can't understand that one either. I can't understand that one at all. Somebody who's wanted by the courts in Italy, we go, no, you can stay here. You think, why? What, what are we, some, are we some home but sort of people, you know, who've, who were wanted in connection with various crimes in Italy. Why don't we just pack them off on a plane and send them back there? I'm sick to death of this kind of thing. Uh, Dorma Don is waking up early, waiting for the only show worth listening to on LBC. Which one would that be? Which one would that be? He says, in Camberley. In Camberley. The story is running in the papers today. It's not a particularly pleasant story. This is um, Jason Little, who's in the paper today, with uh, somebody called Lee Sullivan. They claim that they were assaulted in television centre by David Smith during a number of visits with the convicted abuser. And Jason says Smith got him a BBC pass and introduced him to a score of stars, including fellow paedophile Jimmy Savile. It's very interesting, this story, because uh, the person that they're talking about, David Smith, who uh, chauffeured BBC people around, took his own life. And there was a note found on the body that said, if found still alive, do not resuscitate. Do not resuscitate. Allow me to die in peace. And they've decided that he took his own life. And, of course, thus depriving people 
of their, their moment in court. Uh, David Smith took an overdose. He was the first person to be charged as part of Operation Utree, the investigation sparked by the Savile scandal. I don't think, actually, we'll ever, ever get to the end of this one, will we? We will never find out what actually happened, what was genuine, who wasn't genuine, what went back, what didn't go back, you know, whether these people are telling lies, whether they're telling the truth. We'll never know. Because the, the, the people involved in it, like Jimmy Savile, are dead. And unless you can resurrect them or find somebody who can speak to them from beyond the grave to inquire as exactly what did go on, you're never going to know. It's like looking for that, that needle in a haystack. I see the two men who murdered an antique stealer from TV's Bargain Hunt. And to be honest with you, I looked at a picture of him. I'd never even heard of him. Uh, his name was uh, Michael Griffiths. Zach Cowdery and Harvey Munford had tortured Michael Griffiths to find out where he kept £40,000 worth of diamonds. His refusal to hand over his diamonds, they were in flasks, cost him his life. Uh, the men beat him, tied him up before setting fire to his house. Mumford comes from uh, Sunbury-on-Thames and Cowdery from Staines. I think we know what sort of people they are. You have to look at their picture to realise that they're definitely from the wrong side of the tracks. But um, uh, Simon Penton of Sunbury, who led the raid, was found guilty of manslaughter and jailed for 26 years. These people were jailed for 32 years each. Rot in hell. You'll be gay by the end of the year, I should imagine. That's what it does to your life in prison. And finally, Sam Bailey has met Simon Cowell. Do you remember she said to us that she hadn't met him? And 107 days after she won the X Factor, she finally gets to meet him. Which is good. She sang at a charity event at the Dorchester in London. And a friend said Simon sent Sam flowers to congratulate her on the number one album. I bet he did, because it's lining his pocket. A bunch of flowers is cheap. Send her 50 quid's worth, OK? Just made us thousands of pounds, so good for her. Very, very good for her. Uh, other stories in the paper today. This is the uh, the fate of the Tory MP. I'll be decided tomorrow amid claims he hired a Brazilian rent boy and asked him to buy drugs. When they say the fate of him, it's not in court over anything like this. This is just some Brazilian old tart who flogs his body for money, who uh, is in the country because he was a student. Now he's disappeared back, taking his ill-gotten gains with him. Party members will meet to discuss if Mark Menzies should stand in the next election. I love the way they've actually condemned him out of hand. It's fascinating, isn't it, really? Probably hoping that the door doesn't open on their own shady little lives. But uh, he says here, he's written to his local paper saying thank you for the support. I love the way that people just believe some, some Brazilian rent boy. Oh, well, he must be telling the truth, mustn't he? It's an MP. It's a Brazilian rent boy. Poor soul. Wrong side of the tracks. No! London's full of Brazilian rent boys. Absolutely full of them. It's absolutely ludicrous that, you know, these stories emanate, you know, from somebody who you wouldn't trust, you know, within a million miles. And then the next thing is they, they turn up in the newspapers and somebody's life is destroyed, you know, without even having a chance to put their side of the story. Uh, watch the Will I Am documentary with Joanna Lumley tonight, says Mary. Great insight to a really nice man. I can't stand him. I can't stand Will I Am. If ever anybody looks slightly dodgy, he's it. He's it. I don't know why, I just don't, don't like her. No, don't like her, sorry, don't like him. I just think he's a bit of an oddball. And what on earth Joanna Lumley's doing a documentary on him for? I've got no idea. No idea. Very strange, isn't it, really? But uh, I'm sure it was a lovely documentary, and if you're a big fan of Will I Am, you'll have loved it. Connie says, I didn't quite believe about the dust. I've got bad asthma. It did affect my breathing, was coughing, leaves you exhausted. You, what do you mean you can't believe about it? You can't, you can see it. You can actually see it. 
It's absolutely amazing that it was out there. It's covering my car at the moment. Not too happy about that. I did laugh. There was a story, I'll, I'll bring it to you a little bit later on, of, uh, of an old has-been from The Only Way is Essex, who, in a desperate attempt to try and get some sort of publicity for herself and her shallow existence in life, has decided to um, put on weight so that she can pretend to lose weight. That's what they do nowadays. I don't know if you've... Uh, you know, remember that Chantelle did it. You know, all of a sudden, Chantelle was pictured in a park with her gut hanging over the top of her little bikini-type top. And I said, she's making a video. And, of course, I was absolutely right. That's what she was. That's the only way the poor old soul knows how to make a living nowadays. It's a case of pretend that you're overeating, pretend that you're doing this, put on a load of weight, and then get paid by a company to take it off again. I mean, I've said to you before, don't ever, ever, ever take any notice of any celebrity diets. Okay, the only diet, and I'm standing by it again this morning, go and ask the Queen what she eats, because she's 88, she hardly is ever ill, and she's got great stamina, she looks fantastic, what's she eating? Because whatever it is, you want to eat that. All the members of the Royal Family, you don't want to to look like Sarah Ferguson, so I couldn't care less what Sarah Ferguson looks like, she's had a personal trainer. Do you believe the Queen has had a personal trainer? No. The Queen has not got a personal trainer. So whatever she's eating is absolutely the right thing. Because she's 88 and she looks as fit as a fiddle. I'm not interested in Sarah, look at me, look at me, Ferguson. Or Andy, look at me, look at me, ex-husband. Or silly little daughters. Not remotely interested in them. I couldn't care less what they do. They could disappear off the end of, of the pier. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't shed a tear, I'm afraid, for them. I'm really that not interested in them. I'm not really interested in anybody else in the royal family apart from the Queen. I like the Queen. I like uh, I like Diana. I understand that she was probably manipulative. But there again, who isn't in the media nowadays? Every single person is manipulative. That's how they get where they are. But I'll bring you the story of the old has-been from Essex. Because there are so many. It's amazing how many of you are watching the programme now and agreeing with me, because I'm never wrong, uh, that in fact it's gone, it's gone off the boil. They're now trying to create scenarios. Scenarios where you hate people so much that you just... I mean, you really absolutely hate them. Something about something about some of the cast characters in there. And unfortunately, they obviously believe their, their publicity. They seriously believe that they are of interest to people, whereas they're not. Nobody's really... In, you know, we all laugh at Joey Essex. Everybody laughs at him. He's, he's a, a bit of a simple boy. He can't help it. They, they put him on programmes and he just says something stupid. So that we go, oh, isn't that funny? I go, no, that's a sad education, I'm afraid. Anyway, if you're in the debt spiral, it's very easy to get into it. Very easy. You might have lost a job recently and then you suddenly realise that the bills are piling up. You've got no way out of it. So you borrow money. And there's no end of companies who will lend you money. They can't wait to lend you money. Especially if you've got a property. Wow, wow, wow. If you've got a property, then they're going to say... They always put the thing on there, don't they? They say that, uh, you know, just remember your home is at risk if you do not keep up repayments on it. So they lend you money. Now, when the bailiffs used to come round, when these companies have written to you and you've ignored their letters and they want their money, the bailiffs come round. You know that we have a number of bailiffs who listen to this programme because this is the time of the morning they're getting up to come and get you. Well, it's not you they want, but it's probably your car or something like that. So what they do, mark the bailiff, who's probably listening at the moment, well, perhaps a little bit early for him, but I mean, he'll, he'll be up later. He will take his uh, truck out... He will go round to somebody's house. They're looking to get the car back. OK, he will he will put the clamps on it either side and they will lift it. And then he will knock on your door because he's not going to come and knock on your door if he hasn't actually started lifting the car. It's a bit pointless because you run out there, get in it and drive off. 
So he's, he's well aware of how people do it, because he knows how many bent people there are out there. So people who've taken out the HP, no intention of paying. I'll tell you how it all works in a moment, and how, if you're hard up, you're going to be even harder up by the time I finish telling you this story. And I've got the tip to help you extend your life. LBC News Time, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. So funny, not as many people interested in the, uh, in the debate with Farage and Clegg got far more coverage with LBC. And every said as well that uh, the, the arguments were better. There was nothing really new that you heard last time. In fact, it was so bad they shoved it on BBC Two. Going to prove, of course, that nobody was remotely interested in the thing. But as we initiated it in the first place, it was so funny that the BBC had to sort of trail behind. Very, very funny. Anyway, so going back to the bailiff story. So Mark the bailiff will, will turn up. He will lift the car and uh, he wants his money because he will turn up with a, with a court note and it will say you've got to pay him £671. That's what he's there for. And so what people sometimes say is, um, can you come back tomorrow? I'll have the money for you then. And he goes, yeah, I can do that. But that's an extra 200-odd pounds. Because every time he goes away and comes back, you pay for it. So, in other words, if you do this over the course of a week, you can add an extra, you know, £1,400 onto it quite easily. Well, now, the bailiff fees are going up. The standard fee used to be £24.50 for a debt collector's first visit and £18 each time afterwards. But under new government rules coming in on Sunday... Coming in on Sunday, so it's already gone through. Bailiffs will charge £75 to send a debtor a letter. So in other words, if you get a letter through the post, you're paying for that. It's going onto your bill. You're going to pay it, whatever happens. You know, they will come round and they will, with court orders, take furniture, tell it they'll take anything to sell. And then, uh, if you get a first visit, £235... The bill will go up by another 110 if they have to return to remove goods. So £200 council tax arrears can quickly spiral to £620. If more than 1500 is owed, additional fees apply. And the Ministry of Justice website warns you'll still have to pay the bailiff for any action they take, like storing your goods or using a locksmith. And they will use a locksmith. I love the way that people think that they can just walk away from debt. Why do you think bailiffs are so busy at the moment? Because people think, oh, I'll, I'll just buy this, then I won't bother paying. No, no. We, we know through bitter experience that that's what Mark will do. He'll, he'll, he'll send me a text or an email. He'll go, you know, this is, uh, this is what's going to be happening. We're going out to this person today. He never gives me the information because you know, it's all confidential. But that's how he makes his money. And if you say, I'm not going to pay, he's either going to take your vehicle and they'll either sell it or they'll crush it and they'll sell it for scrap, anything to get their money back. But they're, they're there on a mission. And you don't ever want to argue with the bailiffs because they've got power of entry. They go to the court, they get a letter from the court and they're back. I can remember seeing it on the telly once. Do you remember that it was, uh, I forget, it might have been called the bailiff. And they turned up at a car lot in Southall where the guy had been, let's just say, a little bit remiss in paying for the vehicles which he had on his forecourt. And so the bailiff turns up and he says, I'm here to seize uh, seven cars. And the bloke who's there, who isn't the owner, goes, uh, well, no, the owner's not here, so you have to come back. He says, I'm not coming back. He says, I'm here to collect them today. He says, I've, I've got trucks arriving now to come and take away the vehicles. So this bloke then goes into a little bit of a panic, but thinks he's very clever. And so he calls his boss, and the boss comes over and says, you're not touching anything. He said, um, the bailiff says to him, he said, well, I am. He said, uh, this is a court order. Oh, and by the way, this is a police officer here, 
and he's here to make sure that it's enforced and I've got trucks arriving, so either you're going to cough up the £10,000 that you owe or we're taking your vehicles. And at that moment, the first truck arrives to take vehicles and he suddenly realises that, you know, being the silly little girl's blouse and standing there arguing with a bailiff and a policeman there, he's going nowhere. You're either paying or he's taking the stock. It's as simple as that. So now, if you're hard up, it's going to cost you quite a bit if the bailiff turns up, even if he sends you a letter. Even if he sends you a letter, you're going to be paying 75 quid for it. It's always the way, though, isn't it? The more hard up you are, the more you have to pay through the nose. The more, if you're really hard up, you have to go to payday loan companies. I wouldn't touch payday loan companies in a million years. If you seriously think I'm paying anything over 20% interest, you're having a laugh. I wouldn't even think about it. Wouldn't even think about it. And some of these companies, 6,000%. 6,000% interest. I, I mean, I, you'd have to be really desperate, I think, for, for something like that. I was looking at Hello! magazine, and it's got a lovely picture of the two most useless royals, and that's uh, Eugenie and Beatrice. Actually, very strange, one of them was pictured out the other day. They obviously like having pictures taken with famous people because they're a bit low rent, I'm afraid. Let's face it, Prince Andrew's daughters, way down the social strata. Way down the social strata. But the interesting thing is they like pictures taken with famous people, and for that probably include their mother. And so they'll go to the opening of a fridge door, this family. It's, you know, they will just go in there and uh, and they just turn up. But she was wearing a handbag. She had a handbag the other day, one of the... One of the uh, the sisters, and I think it was uh, Beatrice. The handbag was £2,000. Are they that stupid? I think so. I think so. Uh, 84850, uk. Apparently the Great Fire of 1666 is being filmed in Greenwich. Oh. They've recreated Pudding Lane, have they? Or they're just going to... Because that was... That's where it started, wasn't it? No, anyway, sort of going back to Hello! magazine. So I'm, I'm looking in here, and, uh, and they've got... Speaking to Tamara Beckwith and her stunning Surrey mansion, Caroline Stanbury. Who? I've got no idea. There are pages and pages, you know, showing you inside. It, it's basically a show-off piece. It's a case of... We used to live in London, but, you know, oh, core blimey, we've moved out and we're now living in Wentworth. I don't even know who she is! It would help, wouldn't it, if you knew who she was. And so she's showing you her lovely house, which has obviously been designed by somebody else, and uh, her lovely children, and their lovely swimming pool, because apparently in London, oh, and her lovely shoe collection, I've still got no idea who she is. Not a clue. And here she is. She says, living in London was not great for my children. I feel like we needed some more space. We've gone from 3,000 square feet to 12,000. So they've got a swimming pool indoors with pretty lights. on. But who is she? Tamara Beckwith obviously thinks she's somebody important. Unlike Tamara Beckwith, who's nobody important at all. I couldn't quite understand who she is, but she does... They say, have you got projects in the, in the pipeline? And, and uh, she says, I love my work, she says. This is, this, is, this is how delusional this woman is. She says, I came up with a silly idea of printing T-shirts with my face and I work for Caroline Stanbury on them. I've made all my friends wear them. But who is she? Perhaps she's only known in social summer. Never even heard of her. But anyway, she's droned on to anybody who'll listen about her boring house and her boring life. And apparently she's got a huge television project coming up. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. When Mark the Bailiff sends you a text, does he charge you? Well, he does, but we've got an arrangement. Got an arrangement. Uh, we lost LBC in the North Yard last year, says Eileen on Teesside. I've just found out we've got you back. What happened? We came back. We're on DAB. We're, we're all over the country. All over the country. Uh, can you believe the cheek? A person left a note in a bottle 
Can I be quiet when delivering their milk in the morning, says Dean the Essex milkman. Do you know what you should do? Stop delivering milk to them. I'll tell you what, get out, get out by yourself, love. Go, go and get your own milk, which I think is good. Um, and James says, to keep Sahara sand off my lovely long hair, I used an umbrella as I walked around yesterday. Didn't find any dust in my hair, so it certainly worked. Dorman Dom says, you're telling the truth about bailiffs. I've done that type of debt collecting. Oh, it's very lucrative. Believe you me, but all bailiffs, you know, you're not going to find a bailiff who looks like Steve Allen. You're going to find a bailiff who probably looks like Dorman Dom or Mark or anybody like that. Talking of Mark, I get a letter from a, a man who is currently serving time at the, uh, the pleasure of Her Majesty. And uh, he's delighted now that LBC is back. He was talking about um, getting free prescriptions and stuff like that. So that's very, very interested. And uh, he says, I've, um, I've never, he says, I've started to say to my mates here that I've never heard of Roger Waters and Pink Floyd. Are they an up-and-coming gay boy band, he says, I asked. <laughs> anyway, so now you can pick us up in prison as well. Sue Ann says, who? I don't know. I don't know who this Caroline Stanbury is. I'm, I see people in the papers, and I, I really don't know who they are. And I feel, I feel a bit embarrassed, because I should know. I should know who these people are. Because if, if I'm in the media, and she's, she's big enough to put in Hello! magazine, who is she? No idea. Uh, Ian says... Isn't it good to see justice done when somebody's in the wrong? Payday loan companies, modern-day highway robberies. Uh, they're, they're checking out with them. They say if they overstep the mark, they'll have no hesitation in closing them down. I never understand why anybody... I suppose you'd have to be terribly, terribly desperate to borrow any money from anybody who's charging 6,000% interest. I mean, that is just blatant rip-off. But as long as they put the thing up there, it's your decision whether or not you, you decide to take it out. Nobody's bending your arm. If you want to take it out, that's what they charge. If you don't want to take it out... You don't. You don't. Uh, 84850. Somebody says you always lambast. You must learn to spell. The only way is Essex, but you're always watching it. Uh, of course. As I've said time and time again, and I, have, I have to tell you this. I mean, I'm, I know you sadly live in Luton, and we know what a pit that is, but I get paid for talking about it. It's really embarrassing, but, you know, that's the way it is. It's so nice. You see, you, you, you can watch it for free, and you don't get paid for it. I watch little bits of it. I could talk about it endlessly, and my producer pulls out all the press cuttings and everything else, and I get paid. They actually pay me money at the end of each month. Money goes into my bank account, and it's more than a shilling. It's more than a shilling. That's all I will tell you. Uh, my doctor told me that regular walking, very healthy eating regime and not smoking is better than five times a week in the gym. Says Alison, who, who in God's name wants to go to the gym? Who wants to go to the gym? Have you ever seen anybody happy in the gym? Oh, it looks so blooming miserable. Looks, sorry? Ru Rupert's joining a gym. Is he really? He needs to join the barbers first. His hair's getting very long at the moment, I've noticed. We have Rupert Bartier back with us for one morning. It's special dispensation. You ask for him, and you've got him. But uh, his hair, he was, uh, he'd had a couple of sherbets the other night at the party on Friday. That's indeed quite a few people. He had the cheek to ask me this morning. He said, were you drunk on Friday night? I was not. I said, I got the bus. I got the bus. Although I said to my friend Darren, whose, whose birthday it was as well, well, yesterday it was really, but we celebrated at the same time. I said, um... He's, I said, did you see so-and-so? He said, after nine o'clock, he said, I didn't see anybody. I said, oh, where were you? He said, in the land of pixies. He said, I have no idea. No idea at all. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the weather for today, because I, I think it's unnecessary. Very unnecessary. And uh, poor old Junior in Glasgow, he says, I inadvertently tuned into TOWIE for the first time in years. Oh, my God, do they get paid? Yeah, about 50 quid. 
That's why some of them are having to leave, because um, because they, they don't have any talent for doing anything. All these shops that they've got now, you watch, the moment the programme finishes, they'll be out of business. The, the for-sale shutters will go up there, and they will disappear into relative obscurity from where they came. Gemma Collins, by that time, will be the size of a barrage balloon, I should imagine. You'll have to have her tethered. I think it's utter garbage. Poor production of dead fish acting. Utter rubbish, says Junior, uh, who's in remission from his cancer again for about the umpteenth time. It's obviously still working, which is good news. Fitted in a lot. I went to the Cutty Sark with school, says Noreen, 39 years ago. Hope Brian had a good birthday yesterday and got lots of prezzies. We had a lovely afternoon tea. And Neil and Lorraine, a very happy wedding anniversary from his friends. 32 years. Which I think dear Lorraine deserves a medal. Oh, a, a, a nice cake from Patisserie Valerie would not go amiss. So, happy wedding anniversary to Neil and Lorraine, regulars on this programme. You can be a regular as well. We don't exclude anybody. We welcome everybody in with open arms, because we L-O-V-E-U. You know, we're done. that's that, that kind of programme at this time. What else could you do at this time of the morning, for goodness sake? Coming up, Prince Andrew has become the first royal to take a selfie in a royal palace, and in turn he's torn up hundreds of years of protocol. What a disaster. It's 4.45. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. This is the programme that everybody tunes into in the morning. Why? Because we're telling the truth. You can't, you can't be done for telling the truth, which is great fun. Warren says it was a bit of a smog. So what? It lasted a few hours. What's wrong with people? Get over it. Go and live in Beijing. Then you'll know what smog is. What do you think they did in the war in London? That lasted years. Get over it, people. I know, but they have to have something to write about in the papers, don't they? Poor old Prince Andrew, as ever the plonker. I mean, HRH, waste of time and space, I'm afraid. And uh, what he's done is he's broken Paris Protocol. And he grinned into his phone camera. He tweeted the photo yesterday as he hosted the final of Pitch at Palace competition, which looked for students to found start-up companies. And so there are people laughing at it. I think they're laughing at him as opposed to with him. He's uh, torn up hundreds of years by becoming the first member of the royal household to take a selfie in a palace. You know, especially... Taking a photograph, uh, tweeting a picture of a notice who read, mobile phones are not permitted in the staterooms, with the word not crossed out in black tape. Once an idiot, always an idiot. Or as the paper call him today, HRH Plonker. And I think that kind of sums him up. Him, his ghastly ex-wife and his two ghastly children. Awful. Uh, Dean says, I'm going to fit a big boy racer exhaust to my milk float to show them I keep quiet. Oh, I think you should have one. Do, 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 do. Woo, 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 woo as you're putting the milk on the doorstep. Bang on the door, bang on the door. Milk's delivered! Oh, I'd love to do things like that. Uh, still to come, the twist about the woman who got the 52 grand by mistake, or as I prefer to call her, that bent crook. And uh, lots of bailiffs this morning listening to the programme. You're quite right, Steve, we're going out to take back. Because the people who get the bailiffs visiting are crooks. And uh, they have to pay. Ha, 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 I love it. And uh, Sheila says, Tamara is lovely and works very hard. She's an art dealer. Oh, the hell she is. Don't be so stupid. Don't be so silly. Of course she's not. She doesn't work very hard at all. She was always vacuous. This is the one who dumped her daughter on her parents. Don't you remember? Oh, dear me. Absolutely ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. And uh, she's not really an art dealer. She's just something she's fallen into. She did that Four Rooms programme, but she's a bit naff, I'm afraid. So there you go. So we don't really bother, do we? We don't really bother. I don't think she's a hard worker at all. It's, It's hard work turning up on the television and pretending you're something else in your life. It's always good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Surely a royal selfie would be a onesie. Yes. And somebody says, uh, Nick Abbott liked the idea of banning spitting in the street. Oh, disgusting. 
Filth. Lowest common denominator, I'm afraid. People who spit in the streets. Ugh. Why do people do it? Is it some nasty foreign habit? Uh, 84850. Nick says, the second hyped-up debate between Farage and Clegg was bound to receive less public attention, whether it was on the BBC or LBC, because it featured the same two politicians talking about the same subject. I know, I just love it when the BBC trail behind us. I think that's quite funny. And that's why they shoved it on BBC Two. They were as embarrassed as anybody else that they lost out on something. The only reason that they bothered doing it again, because they were saying exactly the same things, was about Putin because Farage had made a comment. But in fact, this time round, you know, more people, as with the LBC debate, wanted to vote for Farage. They didn't, they didn't take to Clegg. So we'll find out later on today how he thought it went. How he thought it went. Um, e-cigarettes are facing a ban. Did you read this one? I thought that was quite interesting, that these electronic cigarettes... I see people doing them all the time. People doing electronic cigarettes. But they do have, I'm led to believe, a certain amount of tobacco in them. I don't quite know how it works, but they're thinking of banning them in Wales. They fear they glamorise smoking and act as a gateway to normal cigarettes. Well, I mean, I don't know. I do see people... I see people going down the street. They look at a bit of pain. A little bit of pain when they when they have to do these, these things. Because you don't smoke it like a normal cigarette. And I don't know whether it's cheaper or or not cheaper to smoke these than it is to smoke normal cigarettes. I don't know, because when I was around, we didn't have this kind of stuff. I just stopped. And they're, they're getting a bit closer to doing plain packaging on cigarettes. First of all, in the supermarkets, they have to hide the cigarettes, and so you have to ask for them, and you're supposed to remember what brand you have. But then in tobacconists, you can actually have these things out there. I'm glad I don't smoke. I'm, I'm glad I don't smoke. I'm quite uh, quite happy not to be smoking now. I wish I'd never started smoking, but unfortunately, um, it's it's the, the way it is. You know, it's very, very easy to actually pick up smoking, and I'm sure if I had a cigarette now, I could be back on cigarettes within within a matter of minutes, I would think. But it's that, it's having that willpower, isn't it? It's having that willpower to say, no, I am not going to have a cigarette. And I know I've spoken to people before who've gone, I don't smoke, and then they've had that one cigarette blow me their back on them. Stolen from a London townhouse in an audacious heist worthy of a Hollywood blockbuster, they were lost for more than four decades. But two Impressionist masterpieces worth £25 million have been found on the kitchen wall of a Fiat factory worker in Italy. Fruit on a Table or Small Dog by Paul Gauguin, worth an estimated £25 and Woman with Two Chairs by Pierre Bonnard, thought to be worth a half a million, were snatched from home of their owners in 1970. They then went across Europe by train before coming up at a railway lost property auction. A factory worker from Sicily uh, bought the pair in Turin for 45,000 Italian lira, or £19. The paintings were found last month, 44 years after three con men managed to convince a London housekeeper they were carrying out security checks. So they, can you imagine? £25 million pounds, hanging on the kitchen. How much you pay for that? Well, 19 quid for the two. It's a go-go. Hello? <sighs> Somebody Nakeham says, just look at the picture of your hanging baskets from last year. They look fantastic. We said they were very messy. I don't know what I'm doing this year, actually, on the hanging basket front. I haven't decided. I do, I do take pride in filling up my pots. But it is actually, you know, quite, quite labour-intensive. I think I shall probably buy... Hanging baskets this year. I bought hanging baskets from Ideal World. They're those nice ones which they demonstrate. Um, and you, you put uh, the plant in and it's got like a bigger hole and then you put a little a sort of a net thing. Um, so 
they were quite nice, but then I gave them away afterwards. And so this year, and what did I do last year? Oh, that's right, I did all fuchsias in the baskets last year. This year, somebody said, I tell you what, and it sounds quite a nice idea, so I might go for it. They said, why don't you have some strawberries in baskets, which I've done in years gone by, but plant in the basket as well um, some lobelia. So you get the red of the strawberries with the blue of the lobelia. Now, lobelia is the first plant to die out, as you know. It, it's the one that shrivels up quickest. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I might actually make two hanging baskets with hanging strawberries in there, because it, we were picking strawberries, and you can do the same with, with tomatoes. You can do the same with, with tomatoes. And if you put a little bit of lobelia, because the, because the red of the strawberry and the green of the leaf, the blue of the lobelia would look quite nice. So I might, I might have a go at a couple of those. I might buy just a couple of baskets, but the rest I think I shall buy. And then I shall, uh, then I shall sort of uh, be the uh, proud possessor of lots of nice hanging baskets. 84850, steve at there's a couple here. It's very interesting. The I saw a girl yesterday. She goes to the college in Twickenham wearing the full burqa. I mean, she must be about... I don't know how old you have to be to go to college nowadays. 17, 18? Wearing a full burqa. I felt like saying to her, you don't need to wear them in this country, dear. There's no oppression here. Very easy. 84850, steve at I laugh at people who go to gyms and then get in their cars to go to the corner shop. All they need to do is a bit of housework, gardening and walking. Nothing more idiotic than people exercising. Well, I tell you, when we came back up the river yesterday, loads of people running. And as anybody will tell you who is a little bit overweight, and I mean, the weight is coming off me, you know, not huge, you know, I'm not looking emaciated or anything like that, but it's certainly noticeable that this injection is working. Because yesterday, all I had to eat was, admittedly, I made a bit of a mistake. I did have a breakfast with Uncle Rob, a friend of mine, so that was quite nice. And I had two toasted bacon sandwiches with tomato ketchup, which were quite delicious. I mean, that's good. I did eat all the sandwiches, quite, quite clearly. And uh, that, that left me feeling slightly bloated. This, this injection makes you feel a bit bloated. If you eat too much food, you think to yourself, I couldn't, I just really, I'm going to go bang in a minute. Get all the way to Greenwich. Didn't have anything to eat at Greenwich. I had a cup of tea. And then later on, I had this, this Mexican bowl, but just a bowl. I'm, I'm assuming it's healthy. Is Mexican healthy? I don't know. It's semi, semi-healthy. So that, that was quite nice. And that was all I had. And I had that at about half past two. And I didn't eat anything else all day. This morning, I had three strawberries. And then I finished off the rest of the punnet, which was about eight strawberries. And a banana. And that was all I've had this morning. And I feel quite full. And I got a blood sugar reading of 7.9. We all have a guess. There were four of us in the office this morning all trying to guess what it was. And I said 8. And it came in at 7.9. And that's because I know my diabetes. Uh, Kevin says, I'm lucky I serve mainly offices now. But I've had a couple of complaints from my household customers over the years about you waking them up. He says, well, I like to be able to hear the show when I'm away from the float. So it's all your fault. <laughs> Imagine. It's my fault now. I'm the person who gets blamed because he's got LBC blaring out. It's like tube drivers. We've got a lot of, lot of tube drivers and bus drivers who listen to this programme as well. And so they, I think it should be broadcast on the underground. I absolutely believe that it should be on the underground. I think in all buses, there should be some sort of system. It'll probably come in, not in my lifetime, but in somebody else's, where you broadcast a radio station. And depending on which bus you get on, you could have an LBC bus or any other radio station that we own, and we could, and you could, every time we get on that bus, you listen to LBC. It'd be great for tourists, wouldn't it? 
And you can go, and if you're on the 37 bus this morning, it's nice to have your company. This is Steve Allen on LBC with the early breakfast. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That'd cheer everybody up in the morning. I quite like the idea, because people look so blooming miserable on the buses. I like the idea that you could cheer them up as they're sitting there, and they, sometimes you see somebody going... <laughs> laughing to themselves. I see people like that on the train. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, what was I going to tell you? Oh, yes, I'm going to tell you about the, uh, the, the aftermath of the woman with the £52,000 in her bank account and the couple who were suing a store, uh, Morrison's actually, after claiming they were unfairly refused holiday during the holy month of Ramadan. I mean, it's getting ridiculous, isn't it, now? I mean, I, th- I think I should take holiday for sort of... Let's have Diabetes Day. Let's have something... Let's make diabetes a religion, and then I, I can take special days off. Wouldn't happen, of course. Actually, I'm here over Easter. I think it's Easter the next thing coming up. I'm working over Easter. It's good news, isn't it? Still plenty more to come in the next hour of this Thursday morning's early breakfast show on LBC with me, Steve Allen. We're whizzing through the week. Whizzing through the week. Uh, We've got all the papers in the studio. I'll be going through the front pages. Some great stories, but in this coming hour, I'll be talking about this. The Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh will have an audience with Pope Francis at the Vatican today. David Cameron is being urged to block voters in Scotland from taking part in next year's general election if they vote for independence. A poll claims incompetent tradesmen have cost UK homeowners nearly £2 billion in the last year. That's five times more than insurance claims for domestic burglaries over the same period. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen, and all of that is coming up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. So, David Cameron being urged to block voters in Scotland from taking part in next year's general election if they vote for independence. The Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh have an audience with Pope Francis at the Vatican today. I'd love an audience with the Pope. What would you ask the Pope? I don't know what you would what you would say to him. And um, and the Essex has been, yes, it's another reject from the only way is Essex. This time she's got so desperate she's obviously put on weight to lose weight. So we'll be advising you to steer clear of that one. And the £4,000 fine for the man who crashed a model plane near a nuclear shipyard. You couldn't make it up. It's on LBC between now and six. Nice to be company. We take all your texts and emails. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk So when you go and you work for a company and you say to them, um, I would like to have... Uh, Ramadan off because I'm a Muslim couple or I would like to have Passover off because I'm Jewish or whatever. Do they have to accommodate you? I don't know what the employment law is when it comes to companies. I'm assuming it's... I mean, we used to have... No, forget that one. Um, I'm just sort of... (laughs) I've just realised. But I'm, I'm sort of thinking to myself that if you have every holiday off, if you had every Jewish holiday off, somebody's going to be thinking, wait a minute, so you're not going to be putting in as many hours. But I equate it exactly the same as somebody who smokes... Smokers who leave their desk and go outside and have breaks to have a cigarette because they're addicted to it, I quite understand. I, I used to smoke myself. But then what about all the people who don't smoke? Should they get the same time off? I mean, you could probably go around various companies and at some point... When we were at Canary Wharf yesterday, there were lots of people standing outside. People obviously work in shops. And you think, so you're taking a break. You're actually taking a break so what about the people who don't smoke? What do they do? Can they just sort of say, well, listen, I'm gonna, they're taking a break. I'm taking a break as well. So there is a couple here 
who claimed that they were refused holiday during the holy month of Ramadan. Uh, they say they were victimised due to their religious beliefs. You see, I don't think it comes down to that. I think it comes down to the fact it's not convenient to take a holiday. If you knew that you were going to work for a store, and, uh, you know, it's a big company, Morrison's, then, you know, I mean, have you deliberately joined the company to go through this procedure? Or, because I don't think they're discriminating against you, they're just saying it's not convenient to take a holiday. It's got nothing to do with your religion. It's to do with the fact we don't have enough staff to cover. Philip Crowe, representing Morrison's, described uh, one of these people as a, as a spoiled brat. Seems a rather harsh way to describe a member of staff, doesn't it, really? That they say she, she'd missed a deadline for submitting for a holiday. And you think to yourself, I suppose people do... I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm not a holiday person. I have to be literally pushed out of the door to do holiday. I'm not really... I don't really like doing holidays. I don't know what to do on a holiday. I've been everywhere. When I was younger, we did everything. You know, I've been been to everywhere in the world that I that I really want to go to. I've done holidays as adults. I've done cruises. I've sat on beaches. I'm bored. I'm bored out of my mind sitting by a swimming pool. What with the point of going on a holiday? You know, an occasion I sort of say, do you not think you should take a holiday? And, and I probably will, actually, but I've not taken one for quite a while, actually, when I think about it. Quite a while. Oh, so, anyway, so we'll wait and see. Um, it's Doris Day's... 90th year. She is 90. She opted out of Hollywood. She doesn't give interviews anymore. She's, uh, she's a sort of a, a recluse. And, and she's still Doris Day. She's still fantastic. And still Lily Allen is getting publicity. Still Lily Allen is getting publicity. And, and shoplifters who upset store staff will now face jail. Shoplifters who ruin small businesses or upset shop staff should be given tougher punishments. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. It's become... In fact, there was a programme on the television the other day which showed people shoplifting. It showed people shoplifting. And there was another woman that was one of these... I think it's called something like outrageous footage. And it was... This was a camera inside a pizza takeaway in America. Thank God it wasn't here. And there's a lot of people queuing up to get pizzas. And through the door comes this woman... This fairly aggressive black woman who pushes her way to the front of the queue. Now, we've all been in a situation like that. Most people just go... I mean, if, if you're brave, you get, excuse me, love, there's a queue, OK? So, anyway, um, there's a man. She's wearing combat clothing, which I always think is slightly odd on a woman. But, anyway, so she pushes to the front of the queue. And there's a man goes on his phone. He goes, there's this woman here in combat gear. And she's just pushed in. So he's doing it in a loud voice. So, anyway, she quite clearly being low rent... And you will discover, when you see the footage of this, just how bad she is. She lets off a torrent of filth, the like of which you've, which you've never heard. And so she sort of says, you're only talking about me because I'm the only one wearing combat gear and all this kind of thing. You think, oh, it's going to kick off any minute. Anyway, the man who owns the pizza shop just goes out. I don't want to serve you. Out. So she spits in his face. She spits in his face. I mean, that, as far as I'm concerned, warrants somebody being taken down immediately or tasered. So... The bloke is still on the phone going, this woman's now spat in the face of thing. So the owner of the shop comes round to obviously propel her back through the door. She's either on drugs or something. Anyway, back through the door comes her boyfriend, who is built like the brick outhouse. He's like 25 stone. He's big. It turns out he's a convicted drug dealer and he spent time in prison. And she... He sort of looks like he's not going to be messing around. The bloke who owns the pizza shop is not going to be serving them pizza anytime soon. So he goes back behind the counter. Meanwhile, the poor bloke on the phone, 
all of a sudden, the next thing, this huge bloke, the boyfriend uh, of the girl who's kicked off in the... Lashes out at this man and fells him to the floor. Eventually, he passes out. Uh, anyway, the bloke gets ten years in prison, so that was, yeah, fantastic. But this other bloke, I mean, he had to be carried out of the shop into the ambulance. It was so bad. And so when you see people behaving badly, and we now make them into television programmes, you always think to yourself, and nobody in the shop said a word. All the other people queuing up for pizza just stood there and watched. I suppose they were a little bit worried, and, and nobody did anything. Eventually, somebody, I think, called called the police, and so he, he was caught and thrown back into prison again, which is obviously the place that he, that he wants to go to. But shoplifting, I see... I, I have to look the other way now, because I'm terrible. If ever I go somewhere, I can guarantee I can spot a shoplifter. I'd be a very, very good store detective. I can spot shoplifters. I used to watch school children doing it when we had a Woolworths in Twickenham, and the kids would come in, they'd pick up sweets from the cup, and they'd walk to the back of the store, and then just push it into their thing and walk out. Because nothing's, nothing's tagged, it's a packet of sweets. And it's got to stop. Because staff shouldn't have to be intimidated. Mind you, sometimes the staff are in on it as well. They're giving things to people to get them out. Most, most retail theft comes from inside the store. But new rules of uh, recommending that uh, now the sentencing council said a regular thief who uses a foil-lined bag to steal a DVD box set worth 25 quid should get three months in jail. And I think that's about fair enough. That's how they did things, wasn't it? People sort of people just picking up whole racks of clothes and walking straight. I saw somebody doing it in Kingston when there was um, a record store there. They had a big pile of CDs by the door. He literally he walked in. This was on a Sunday morning. Picked up the CDs and walked straight out, even before the staff had a chance to do anything. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Women cannot resist a new handbag. I don't know what it is about handbags. You turn on QVC or Ideal World, mainly QVC, and you will see, you know, Lulu Guinness or whoever it is, and they're selling their handbags. I do not see the attraction. I do not see the interest. But everybody's got, ladies listening, even young girls have got, have got a minimum of about six handbags. Because you've got a handbag for this, then you've got an over-the-shop over the bag. You've got everything. You've got absolutely everything. And people are addicted to them. And they say there may be a squeeze on income, but women's desire for a new handbag knows no bounds. I mean, was it, was it Victoria Beckham who had a, was it a £50,000 handbag or something? Whatever it was, it was so vulgar. It was bad enough seeing Princess Eugene or Beatrice with a £2,000 handbag. How could they ever cost £2,000? I've been down the market. You can get a fake one for about a fiver. You know, they're really good looking now. It's just, I mean, who knows the difference? I mean, you can always tell a fake by the person who's actually holding it. You know, some people look classy, but you know, anybody walking around a market, they're going to be having fake things. They're not going to have the genuine article because they can't afford it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Martin from Port Talbot. Echoing what I said yesterday, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if Derek Acora or good old Sally Morgan, you know, oh, I'm getting some real vibes here, love, you know, could actually come forward and tell us where this plane's gone. They don't seem to be bothered. They've gone very quiet on that one. And uh, nobody's managed to contact Jimmy Savile at all. You'd think he'd be the first person. You'd think they'd be doing a programme. Derek Acora has managed to talk to the to dead dogs before now. Must better find Jimmy Savile. Can't be that blooming complicated. I wonder why it wouldn't be. I wonder why it wouldn't be, ladies and gentlemen. You reckon maybe can't do it at all? Having woken said woman up at Tolworth, 20 minutes and three bus stops later, says Dan, I pull up en route to Hounslow and the same woman boards again, sits in the same seat and closes her eyes. He says, not again, I'm thinking. Luckily, something woke her as I got into Kingston and she got off. Do you think she's one of these people? You know, you get them, I don't know if you've seen them on the tube. People who go on the tube just to go to sleep. 
Because they go on the circle line, so it just goes round and round and round. And I think you get people on buses, Dan, doing exactly the same thing. I think that's what people do on buses. They actually like to <laughs> like to sit on a bus and go round. It's very therapeutic, you know. When I came back on the night bus the other day, the N22, I could have fallen asleep a few times. Uh, um, Ian's from Luton. He says, uh, hello, magazine features the same dozen or so celebs. This is Caroline Standing, who I've never heard of, I'm afraid. Never heard of at all. He says, a few years ago, wasn't it people interviewing Tamara Beckwith? Yes, I mean, she's of no interest to anybody now, is she? I don't think so. Uh, still to come, the story of the, the failure that was in uh, The Only Wears Essex, who's obviously put on weight in an effort to lose weight so she can make some money. It's that desperate. Who is it? You'll find out very, very shortly. Plus, of course, this Sahara sand... And the UK pollution, which is soaring, they say stay inside because it's uh, an alert for at-risk kids. Those people who suffer from asthma, old-age pensioners suffer as well. I mean, it's, it's, it was quite bad yesterday, quite bad. And so vulnerable Brits, you know, a lot of people wearing these masks. You see people in Japan wearing it all the time because the pollution is so bad. You're going to start seeing it over here because yesterday in Greenwich, you could see the smog. It was like a pall over London. And you could tell if you're coughing a little bit more, it's because of that. And it's going to get worse. I promise you it's going to get worse. Coming up, what makes the over-50s happy? LBC News Time. It's 5.15. LBC this morning with uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast from 7. The backlash as this Mauritian student is deported by the British government for staying too long in Britain on her travel visa. In other words, you know, without putting too fine a point on it, she might be a lovely person, she might be absolutely brilliant as a student, she's illegally here. And illegals have to be deported. You know, if it was somebody else, if it was somebody else who'd done something wrong, then you'd have no hesitation. It's because they sell her as a student, but she still shouldn't be here. So she's gone back and they've said that she can continue her studies. But she overstayed, as indeed many people do. I was watching one of those police programmes last night where they stopped two men from Zimbabwe. And you can drive on a Zimbabwean driving licence in this country for one year. After that, you have to take a test and you have to drive on a British licence. So he had no British licence. He'd been here four years and uh, it turned out he was here illegally as well. He'd obviously arrived on the back of a lorry from somewhere because they had no, no evidence of him ever arriving in the country. So he was here illegally and yet here he was happily driving a car around. How many of those people are out there? Loads of them. She, this student, uh, Yashika, is just one of many, I should imagine, who should have been deported a long, long time ago. The fact that they turn it into a political issue and the fact that, of course, there are, there are now a, and is a legal industry which profiteers on the back of this. There are people who will fight. You can see, you know, immigration claims. I've seen it down at Shepherd's Bush. And it's specifically looking for people like this. Go there and we will take it to court. We will try and have some, some stay of your departure. The thing that I find hilarious about the whole deportation idea is that they give you the ticket and you're expected to turn up at the airport as if you really want to go. In other words, you could you just go and lose yourself into the system for another few years. So they go, somebody's been on the run for ages and ages, and by this time they've set up, they've got married, they've had a family. Oh, well, we'll let them stay. You know, before we know where we are, there's no room at all. And the day of the dust turns into the dawn of the dust. What effect has it had on our health? It makes us cough. Makes me cough as well. Not too badly. And I have been used to seeing smog in London over the years, as indeed Warren pointed out, have many people who lived through the, uh, the war. There's, uh, of course, another unmissable edition of Call Clegg, as the Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg joins us fresh from round two of the EU debate with Nigel Farage. Not that I thought that was any cop. Um, as I say, the BBC obviously didn't rate it too highly as they shoved it away on BBC Two. Um, again, got fairly heated, became a bit personal this time round, but LBC did it first. 
And that's why it was uh, far more entertaining with us. How big is the world's biggest sausage? I only discovered this the other day. The, the world's biggest sausage was 35 miles long. 35 miles long, and it weighed 15 and a half tonnes. It was made for the British Sausage Week in the year 2000. I like sausage. Um, incidentally, no ostrich has ever buried its head in the sand. Contrary to what you might see, they would suffocate. They don't do things. But they are very aggressive birds. That's indeed the most of the cast of The Only Way is Essex. They're fairly aggressive birds. And we did find one the other day. And um, this is... She's previously revealed that she feels self-conscious about her weight. In other words, it's almost like planting a seed of interest. This is dreary and desperately unattractive Frankie Essex, who is Joey Essex's bigger sister. And anyway, they said she's struggled in the past. Well, I wasn't aware of any of this. I think they just make it up to make her more interesting. Anyway, she's been dropped from the show because she was boring. There's a whole load more in there that they should really get rid of. But anyway, she's now revealed she's the face of a new diet plan. And we'll be documenting her progress online so fans can see the results in real time. My advice is do not buy into any plan that she puts forward. She is not experienced. She is not a dietitian. She knows nothing about it. This is done as a fee-paying gig. It's the same as a celebrity being pictured in the park, and you've seen loads over the years, and they're pictured looking fat and bloated. They're making a DVD. Do not waste your money. Want to lose weight? Go to the doctor. They will give you a diet sheet. That's the only way. I wouldn't buy anything that Frankie Essex ever told you about. A new diet plan. With what experience? Answer, no experience at all. So she's teamed up with this diet company to boost her confidence and get her body in shape in time for the summer. It's called cheap money-making. She says, my confidence has never felt so low since I've left Towie. Oh, it's so dreary. She doesn't want to go back to the old Frankie. Well, we don't care, actually, love. We see this as a shameless way to try and exploit what little talent you might or might not have. So do not waste your money or your time. Nobody's in- I love the way they talk about their fans like they're real people. It's a pretend programme, The Only Way is Essex. They're made up. It's all made up. Uh, so surprised Nick... Clegg got smashed again by Nigel on the uh, uh, on the live debate. Yes, I mean I absolutely, absolutely agree. He's, I mean, Farage seems to have the edge, doesn't he? But let's wait and see what Mr. Clegg has got for today. Let's see. Uh, on the subject of of bailiffs, uh, Johnny G says, "Behave yourself." Sally Morgan's genuine. She told me twenty years ago, "I put on weight, lose my hair, and be less attractive to women when I get older." And you know, she's right. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We should weave everything in on the programme. Every single thing. Sue says, I'm 42 and I hate handbags. Absolutely hate handbags. I much prefer to put my things like purse and key in my pocket. Handbags are for people who like to carry the kitchen sink. Well, I mean, I just... I mean, I couldn't believe how much stuff you could actually get in a handbag. Most women, though, do you remember when they... Do you remember there was that hilarious quiz on the television, as I prefer to call it, the rip-off quiz, where they said, items you find in a woman's handbag, and the more you found, the more money you made. Do you know what the top item was? And this is where it was exposed as being fraudulent. A spark plug. They actually put a spark plug in there. And people went, what, you rip-offs? Most women in their handbag will carry an emery board, a lipstick... A packet of peppermints, and years ago, a penny to go to the toilet. That's what That was the average, plus, of course, your purse and your other thing. Now, I can't begin to tell you what I carry in my pockets. 
I cannot begin. If you want a suit to always look nice, don't unpick the pockets. Don't put keys in there. It makes the suit bulge out. Don't put, I carry three insulin pens, two insulin pens and, a, and another pen. Uh, I carry my wallet. I carry my Oyster card. I carry the other card, which we don't talk about. Uh, I've also got a hanky. Two sets of keys, house keys and car key. Why I bring the car key to work? I've got no idea. Why I bring the car key to work? Uh, also a bit of chewing gum. And in my pockets, I've got lots of loose change. So, in fact, I'm absolutely fully loaded. It would be easier if I had a man bag. A man bag would be so much easier to actually, you know, to actually say to somebody... Why can't we have man bags in this country? <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here. This is on the subject of uh, holidays. Uh, this is says, uh, typical. As soon as people don't get their own way, they call the religion card in. Well, I, I mean, it, it is, it's quite a good one to call, isn't it? If you're going to call one, call one. I mean, I actually agree. Two great places, says Ian, to spend Ramadan are Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. And I've been to both. And expect the uh, the traditions. But it is used as an excuse nowadays, isn't it? We didn't get this because we're Muslim. I wouldn't know if somebody was Muslim or not. You know, if, if just somebody in front of me, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. I don't inquire. It's like inquiring whether somebody's Jewish or Christian or non-denominational. I don't care. I'm not remotely interested. I just think if you're paid to do a job, you pay in, you know, you're, you're, you're paid, you come in, you do the job and you go home. What religion's got to do with it? I've got no idea. Otherwise, it's ridiculous. I'm smiling, says Catherine in... Qatar, to your coverage of the dust storm. We have dust and sandstorms all the time. I think the advice to stay indoors is going a bit too far. Well, because we don't get it very often. Kids who are at high risk with asthma, it can make them quite ill, I'm afraid. Enjoying your fabulous show in the school run as we do each morning. I am your biggest Middle Eastern fan. Yeah. When you say big, do you mean fat? <laughs> we have to check. We have to check. Um, <laughs> Howard says, I buy at least two handbags a month, mainly the bling type. Why is it that, isn't it funny that abroad, man bags are quite common. Go to Italy, you will see everybody from 14-year-old boys up to 70-year-old men with what they call clutch bags. Men use them all the time and they keep in there their wallet, their cigarettes, their lighter, because everybody seems to smoke in Italy, and their car keys and change and things like that. Over here, if you saw somebody walking down the street with a man bag, and sometimes you get them over your shoulder... Oh, the producer's got one of these rucksacks. What he's got in it, I've got no idea. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. He comes in with them thinking, he doesn't, he, doesn't go, he doesn't go to the gym. He doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't bring in a cooker and start cooking food. He's got this huge... He goes out of there, practically bent double, bless his heart, and there's nothing in it. I think he's, I think he's filled it out with paper or something stupid, or he's slowly shoplifting the entire company's office. Because what's in it? Well, I mean, what is in it that fills it out like that? I've, you what? A water bottle and an iPad yeah, and headphones. But, I mean, that's a, a water bottle. I'm sorry, what, as in a hot water bottle? Oh, a cold water bottle. Right. Oh, Brita water bottle. Oh, right, OK. Why? We have taps here with filtered water. We have taps with filtered... You go there and you put a cup underneath. I don't understand. He wants it for the tube journey home. Makes him sound like Nanook of the North, doesn't it? You know, we're going on an expedition. An expedition. Coming up, David Cameron had revealed his favourite supermarket and no... It's not Aldi. LBC News Time. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 6. It's Thursday morning. This week is whizzing through. It's fantastic. Glenn says, you can imagine Steve Allen broadcasting live on a bus in Brentwood. Because I think this is the way forward. I think to sort of, to maximise potential. I think if you're sitting on the underground, I think LBC should be piped onto the underground. 
No, people don't want to hear music. That's dull. You want to hear conversation. And then you'd be saying, I think I'll just go two extra stops. I'm really enjoying this conversation at the moment. You can imagine, says Glenn, the look on the faces of the so-called celebrity, the only way is Essex people. Yes, I mean, I, I think, actually, that, that, <laughs> that would be the good idea, wouldn't it? Let's, sort of, let's start knocking them into shape. Let's start sort of telling them the way it is. Let's start telling them what the entire country says about them, that they're fraudulent, that they are not people from Essex. Some of them have been bust in. Some of them bear no resemblance to anybody from Essex at all. The girls are far too common, far too vulgar with their language. We don't want that kind of thing, I'm afraid. Not on the television anymore. Uh, Jonathan says, You wouldn't spot the real pro shoplift as I threw two people out of my shop in their underwear as they were strapping suits around their legs under their jeans. Oh, I saw a woman doing it in, um, in Richmond. She had her children... She had her children to uh, to pull the, the, the tags off the clothing. And what they were doing, they all went into the changing rooms, we discovered afterwards, that they were putting lots of clothes on and then putting their own clothes over the top. They were shoplifting. This was a fairly well-to-do woman, but it was the kids. As they were standing in line, she's trying to get the security tag off. And I said to the store detective, I said, she's pulling the security tags off. Because they have no shame in thieving. No shame in thieving at all. So, uh, so that's why. Some years ago at the Royal Academy of Music, some guys walked in and took most of the grand piano, says Sarah. I think that's amazing. I think it's the audacity, isn't it? Didn't somebody... I saw somebody once. Somebody uh, tried to steal a television from Argos, but they're all connected by a cable, and they were trying to get the cable apart to walk out. And I could see them there, and I'm thinking, they're doing it in front of everybody. They, they, they were that blatant. They were that blatant. Somebody says, don't be ridiculous. A sausage can't be 35 miles long. Well, it is. I'm sorry, this is what they made. I can only tell you facts. You know, if you don't want facts, you know. If somebody wants time off for their religion, will they come to work when there's a Christian holiday like Christmas? I don't know. I suppose so. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me. I can remember doing a phone-in on Christmas Day once, many, many years ago, and, uh, and saying to everybody, so what did you get for Christmas? And all I got was, we're Jewish. <laughs> After about the third caller, I kind of gave up, actually. <laughs> uh, 84850. In Thailand, if you overstay your visa, you have to pay 500 baht a day. Yes, over here, over here, it's, it's a little bit uh, difficult. It's a little bit difficult, I'm afraid, I suppose. It's, it's actually trying to, trying to sort of make sure that you do find people. But, I mean, Thailand's probably a lot easier to find people than this country. People over here, you can just disappear. Uh, Kevin says, shoplifting, Steve. I've recently lost an office in Great Tower Street because some little scumbag has started stealing their milk from outside the office door. And as I'm paid commission, it means I've taken £150 a year pay cut because of it. Trouble is, these scumbags are selfish and only a long prison sentence might make them change their ways. Yes, that's the problem. You do. I mean, people do thieve. I watch people thieving all the time. I have to look the other way now. Making me ill, I'm afraid. Uh, you're absolutely right. Says Ellie, many men in Italy carry a handbag, it's called a clutch bag, and most are heterosexual. It's not considered effeminate at all. Oh, absolutely, it's, it's never been considered effeminate. You can go to Austria, you'll see the same thing. You know, Austrian men with their wives and their kids, and they've got the clutch bag. Over here, you imagine turning, it's only, you know, you know that somebody's going to be European. You know that, you're, that it's going to be somebody European if they've got a clutch bag, because nobody in this country has them. Instead, the Brits have these, like, satchels over their shoulder. You see lots of people with satchels, or they've got, you know, bags that go over the back of them. It's all very confusing. Remember the story we told you Sunday? I'm here Sunday breakfast, incidentally. Between five and six on Sunday morning, it's in conversation, repeated, at nine o'clock at night. 
And this week it's Lee Mead and Tom Conte. I know that the Lee Mead fans are retweeting like mad, going, he's on with Steve Allen between five and six in the morning, Sunday morning, and then repeated at nine o'clock. So you can hear it twice if you're a real, real fan. And I'm then here between six and eight live on Sunday morning. So we brought you the story last week of Barbara Knox. Barbara Knox turns up at a police station in Manchesterford and she was shouting the odds because her daughter had been uh, arrested on suspicion of drink driving. And then, because she's obviously driven to the station, obviously, Mum, Mum, been arrested for drink driving, blah, blah, blah. Which, of course, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you throw, you throw, throw the book at somebody. They then, of course, I think, then decided to test Barbara Knox. Her case comes up in court tomorrow because the daughter... Maxine Ashcroft has pleaded guilty to drink driving and she's been handed a two-year ban. She was three times the drink drive limit. And apparently Barbara Knox turned up at the police station and said those ultimate words which strike terror into the heart of anybody. Don't you know who I am? It's the old joke, isn't it? But anyway, a court heard that police were tipped off by a motorist who'd followed the Jaguar at Nutsford in Cheshire. But anyway, uh, she'd let herself and her family down. Classic case of alcohol anaesthetising good sense. She was fined £960 and told to pay £181 in costs. Her mother, 80, who plays Rita Tanner, was not in court. She's on bail pending inquiries after she was arrested on suspicion suspicion of drink driving on the same night in March. Doesn't look very promising, does it, really? It's not the best thing. So I I knew I had to sort of do the follow-up of of that story just so you were were aware of exactly what was going on. Still to come, I'm I'm trying to find the story again of the £52,000 which went into somebody's account and they started spending it. They were were quite happy to go and spend it because they decided if somebody was daft enough to put it in the account, they were clever enough to take it out of the account. And start spending. So I think in, in this particular woman's case, I think she spent about 9,000 quid. She had, I think, £40,000 transferred into, a, um, into an offshore account. This is on the, the advice of the bank, even though it wasn't her money. And then they were looking in the papers today, and I'll, I'll bring in the story a little bit later on, of exactly what the legal side of it is. The legal side of if if a thousand pounds or ten thousand pounds or a million pounds arrives in your bank account and you know it's not yours, what's the legal, what's the legal ease that goes along with that? What is the thing that means you can either spend it or you can't spend it? The British teen suspected of killing a cop before turning the gun on herself was snubbed by a family to a funeral. This is Alex Hollinghurst's parents, Tom and Jane, stayed away, as did grandfather David who doted on her as a child. Only a cremation worker was present at uh, Davenport, Florida. There was no service, flowers or words spoken for Alex, who was born in Oldham but moved to America with her family in 2011. A family member said nobody can quite believe what Alex did. There was no real desire to attend her send-off. She's brought shame on the family and would always be known as a cop killer. Alex and her boyfriend, Brandon Good, are believed to have shot dead Officer Robert German, in the exclusive Orlando community of Windermere. Her family had insisted the teen was then shot dead by Good, who killed himself. But after an autopsy on Alex, the medical examiner's official office said the official cause of death is suicide. A police source said it was a single shot to the side of the head. So nobody went to her funeral. Nobody mourned her passing. She goes into obscurity, apart from the fact that she is known now as a, as a cop killer, which is not uh, particularly brilliant. Uh, here's a picture of um, of Ola. 
I think she's a dancer. I think she might be. I don't know what her surname is. I think she's on some food, and uh, she's a pro on the Strictly programme. And so she's... Is it Ola Jordan? Oh, right. Is she married or something? Oh, she's married. Oh, right. Is, is, she, is this one married to James? Right, right, right. So she's working out in a park. You can only assume there's another blasted DVD around the court. There's more of these DVDs. And Trisha has been dropped uh, in America. Now, you remember when Trisha came over last time, she was fantastic. She was really good. She's a really good in-conversation guest. I mean, she really is a, f- a fantastic guest. I like people. Uh, you're going to like, in a, a week's time or a couple of weeks' time, Ruth Jones, who's got her DVD out uh, at the at the moment. Series 3. Series 3. I got uh, given a copy the other day of Stella. And, of course, you remember what she did. Ruth Ruth Jones was also the writer with James Corden of Gavin and Stacey. She's, she's really queen of comedy. And she laughed when I said queen of comedy. I said, but since the last time we spoke, you've actually got a, an MBE now. She was very pleased. She took her parents uh, for the MBE. She told them. Her father's still not got a sky dish. And so we were talking about when she played Hattie Jakes and everything else. And I said, at one point, there was an interview that I'd read that she said she wasn't over keen on doing interviews. And so I say to her in the interview, I say, you don't really like doing interviews, do you? She said, I like this one. So I said, I said, that sounds like a very old line. I said, why do you like this interview? She said, because it's not like an interview. She said, it's like a, just a, it's like a sit down with a friend, just having a good old chat over a cup of tea. <laughs> exactly what they are. So that's why this week, and we've still, still to come, we've got Alan Titchmarsh. Again, one of those people, you can just sit down with Alan and you just say, and he's just so busy and he's so working and he's so, so good. But this week it's Lee Mead. Lee is in Casualty, as you know. He plays uh, Nurse Lofty. He's thoroughly enjoying it. And he's also touring with his band. And Tom Conti's in Over the Road in 12 Angry Men. He's juror number eight, which was the Henry Fonda part. So, uh, really, really good. Uh, 84850. Sophie says, I know that if the DSS put money into your bank by accident, you don't have to pay it back by law. Uh, this wasn't the DSS. This was a, this was a, um, a government, local government. They thought they were paying a nursing home. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't. They put it into this woman's account, and she was quite clever enough to uh, to start spending it, apparently under the guidance of her then-boyfriend. I don't think she has the boyfriend at the moment. Coming up, the best way to lose weight. Apparently you need to catch the morning sun. LBC News time. It's 5.45. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 11 minutes to uh, 6. I'm afraid I'm far too vain, says Catherine. Our biggest Middle Eastern fan to be fat. Far too vain to be fat. That's a good description, isn't it? I I quite like that idea of being too vain to be fat. Uh, On the subject of this smog, Brian says, the 52 smog in London the year I was born. Yes, I mean, I remember the smog, and and they have said stay indoors. And the reason they've said stay indoors, it's because the people who are at risk, if you fit fit into this category, you might be feeling the effects of it. So anybody who's got asthma, as we pointed out at the beginning of the programme, anybody with heart or lung diseases, such as pulmonary heart disease, emphysema, bronchitis, and the elderly, all of you are at risk. The effects are eye irritation. I get that. Sore throat, coughing, wheezing, even in healthy people. Uh, This storm of factors are there. It's being blown in from the continent. It's only going to get worse. 
and its pollutant gases, nitrogen, dioxide, sulphur dioxide and ozone, which are irritants to the tissue of the lungs. So that's why it's for people who are at high risk, the people with heart or lung disease and asthma. So what should you do? Stay indoors, avoid, this is a good one, avoid anything strenuous, such as outdoor activity if the air is cloudy, and check daily for forecasts. You can go to defra.gov.uk, defra.gov.uk. Now, the story I brought you the other day was of a, a lady called Michaela Hutchins. Michaela Hutchins is single mum, stay at home, has bank accounts, and inadvertently the local council uh, transfer... £52,000 into her account. She thinks, or she says in court, she thought it was an inheritance. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, I'm not buying that idea. And the court didn't buy it either. She transferred 40000 immediately into another account. Uh, she decided to go on a spending spree with nine grand of it, and she gave her mum £1,000 cash. Now, the family have sprung to her defence... You can't believe it, can you? Claiming she was just making hay while the sun shines. She simply seized a good opportunity and did what any other young person would have done in her situation, they claimed. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, perhaps they're all bent. I don't know. I I find it quite difficult to believe they're actually encouraging this kind of... It's what everybody else would do, really. The family have a, a vehicle hire company. Well, perhaps when somebody starts taking your vehicles and doesn't bother bringing them back, perhaps that'll be okay, will it? You know, seizing the opportunity. Anyway, the court heard that this administrative error meant that the money went into her account. She lives in a a large country home in Litchfield. This is Mrs Hutchings uh, with uh, Michaela's father, Sean, and said their daughter had gone into hiding. She said, he's left her terrified. This is the the boyfriend who can't be named for legal reasons. She'd been pressurised into spending the windfall by her money-grabbing ex, who's now in custody over a drugs-related offence. Charming. They sound lovely, don't they? They really do. And apparently um, she was found guilty of dishonestly and retaining a wrongly credited bank transfer when she appeared at court. Uh, even though the court accepted she'd been encouraged to spend by her boyfriend. So they're now relating to the fifty forty £40,000. Another further investigation on that one. Uh, they did repeated phone calls and visits. She claimed she thought the money was an inheritance. From where, dear? Where did you think it was from? You know, it'd be lovely. If £100,000 landed in my bank account, I'd be going, oh, that's an inheritance, isn't it? As opposed to, I think there must be some error. I would have to phone up and say, I'm terribly sorry, but somebody's given me too much money. And the reason I would have to say that is because I'm too honest. I couldn't possibly actually keep something that didn't belong to me. And especially as it was meant to go to a a care home company. So I I just, I, I wouldn't ever keep it. It's like if ever I found money in the street... That might be somebody's life savings. I would have to give it back or hand it into the police and then hope that I would get a reward, you know, because I'm that honest. I use my uh, my bus pass, says Rick, who claims to be 67 and living in Hull. Poor soul. He says, I travel all over God's own country, Yorkshire. Anyway, I always take my man bag. It contains wet wipes and uh, uh, earplugs, Kindle, water in a bottle, tub of pasta with olives and mackerel, and in the case of rides to Scarborough and beyond, a comfort bottle just in case. Oh, sounds a little bit worrying. But man bags are used all over the continent. It's just that we don't... We haven't quite got used to using them here, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. No, unfortunately, uh, Stephen, it wasn't the same Christmas Day phone-in that you were talking about. This one goes back to Gough Square days. But uh, I did have people phoning in about Christmas. I've done done quite a few phone-ins, believe it or not, over the years. Uh, who is this 
Princess Eugenie, Beatrice, you speak of. They're nobody. Don't worry. They're, absolute, they're of no consequence to anybody at all. Weather for today, I shall bring you in a uh, moment. Stealing, says Dave, is only stealing if you're caught. Otherwise, it's a freebie. Well, you've obviously been caught a few times, I can tell, actually, just by, your, just by the writing. And, uh, and, Steve, I don't think it'd be a good idea at all to have you broadcasting on the bus or tube. We'd enjoy the show, says Philip, too much, and we'd miss the stop. Well, that's, I, that, that is to be encouraged. People would, would go further, would they not? They would be going further. Uh, Beckwith is like uh, Tara Palmer Tomkinson from a well-to-do family. I see her in a few things. More a case of who you know, says Paul. I like Anne. Not Air Miles, Andy, though. I don't think anybody likes Andy, do they, really? I think now he's taken this selfie of himself in the, the palace, breaking with, with protocol. I mean, it's, it's just perhaps nobody ever turned... Do you think his older brother should say to Andy, you're kind of making, you know... Bit of a mess of everything, you know? Bit of a mess of your marriage. Mind you, he's, he's one to talk, isn't he? Uh, uh, Ashley says, you shouldn't be reading out letters from convicted criminals, LBC attracting the rough type of listener. People in jail shouldn't have a radio from my taxes. They've got television as well, I have to tell you. And they get three meals a day, and they get exercise. And, uh, and they do write to radio programmes. And they write to the government. And, in fact, they write to loads and loads of people. Loads and loads of people. Uh, mirror on the front page. Corrie's Owen, my everyday fight with OCD. They've all got something. Have you noticed? All in Coronation Street. Everybody's got something going on. Lovely Carol Vorderman wants to spice up loose women lineup with a fella. Oh, you know, you know what they'll do there? I mean, this Martin Frizzell is going to look after the programme. And it's, uh, it, it's a case of, if they put a fella on there, it'll be somebody that, that we're not remotely interested in. I don't know who you would put on there. I think it's, it's, the way it is is absolutely fine. We just want to see more of Carol Vorderman. But uh, she thinks that they should give the show their very own Man Friday. We could have a guy every Friday. It would work because occasionally we've had people like Jonathan Ross and Alan Carr who stayed for the whole show and it's really worked well. So I think now with the new boss, Martin, and the team, they are open to ideas because Denise Welsh, Lisa Maxwell and Carol McGiffin have gone. And so uh, Frizzell apparently wants to axe other stars because they, they, they've hemorrhaged audience. They've hem- and I watched it yesterday. And to be honest with you, it, it really wasn't much cop. It's obviously quite an expensive programme. Uh, recent changes have seen the arrival of Mylene Klass and bigger roles for Ruth Langsford. Uh, Kay Adams. Really, I don't take to Kay Adams at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Jane Moore. And uh, Carol wants Liz Kershaw to join the panel. She says that Liz Kershaw is definitely one. She's a great feisty northerner. See, that's what you want. You want people who are a bit feisty and say things, not people who are playing to the audience. Every time Colleen Nolan was on, she was playing to the audience for her cheap, tacky laughs. And I'm afraid it didn't, it didn't work. And I don't think Martin Frizzell would, would go for things like that, knowing Martin of old, as they say. And he must be getting on a bit now. He must be well in advance of 60, mustn't he? I'm thinking so. Married to, um, what's her name? Fiona Phillips. Yes, he must be over 60. He must have been. It was because it was years ago he was a reporter at, at LBC. Uh, what else in the papers today? Women cops left to fight the return of the Taliban. That's a report by Raggy Omar. Isn't it funny, actually? Uh, Raggy Omar was all over the papers at one time, all over television, because he did something. I can't remember what it was. And all of a sudden he disappeared. A bit like uh, Kurt Barley the other day. I was saying he's just been dropped after something like 23 years being a reporter with no reason for being dropped at all. Uh, glad man bags are staying on the European mainland. And Darren says, I work as a bricklayer in London. Notice the bad air quality yesterday, coughing up when I got home. Yes, it is absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite bad. 
But if you're, if you're an asthma sufferer or anybody who's got heart or lung problems, you're not going to be wanting to go out in it at all, I don't think. Uh, on the subject of the weather for today, here we go. Let's see if we can give you something interesting. Misty start. Had that the other day. Hazy sunny spells developing to leave another warm day, becoming cloudy with a chance of scattered heavy showers later. The high, 18 centigrade. Currently, it's 12. So 18's good. Double it and add 30. 36, 66 today. Cloudy with thundery showers tonight. Uh, becoming clearer overnight. And then the outlook for tomorrow, we are predicting a mainly dry day with bright or sunny spells. Rather cloudy at times with showers possible, the high 18 centigrade. And for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, generally cloudy and breezy. Outbreaks of rain, and that'll be turning heavy at times. So it's not too bad, is it? We've had some of these overcast days. It's this, <coughs> excuse me, it's this sort of coughing thing that you're all getting. Oh, and uh, Zara Phillips called her husband an idiot for buying a race course, a uh, race course, a racehorse. I don't know, lots of people have buy it. Have you noticed Wayne Rooney's just bought another share in one? The last two were a disaster. Still plenty more to come on your Thursday morning early breakfast show before handing over to Lisa Aziz at 6.30 with the morning news. I'll go through uh, all of the papers. We'll do all the front page stories so you know exactly what's going on in the world. The Times carrying the story on the Prime Minister being urged to rewrite the rules of the 2015 election in favour of the Conservatives if Scotland vote for independence. The I newspaper, more on calls from the head of Ofsted, Sir Michael Wilshaw, for children as young as two to start school as part of an overhaul of early years education. And uh, another story with schools in The Guardian. GCSEs linked to grades achieved by 16 and 17-year-olds in China under plans being unveiled by the exam regulator. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. All of that is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning, Thursday morning in London town. It's nice to have your company. I trust you are well, no matter where you are. The weather across across this great country of ours shouldn't be too bad for today. Lots of stories to do with schools on the front of the paper, so we'll look at those in a moment. Uh, also, the fact that poor Nigella Lawson turned back at Heathrow trying to board an LA flight. Uh, this is after... Um, she made her drug confessions in court. Now, in America, even though they have a huge cocaine problem, they're a bit funny about people going into the country. So, we've uh, we've been told that she's been banned from America. Very humiliating, because you would have thought somebody would have told her that first time. I was always, always aware, if you had a drug uh, story that went with you, they weren't over keen. So she turned, at, uh, turned up at Terminal 5 at Heathrow to catch the Sunday morning direct British Airways flight to LA. She thought to have checked in and passed security before being told she couldn't board her plane. She had to return to the first-class check-in to arrange to collect her hold luggage. She didn't say much, didn't look very happy. I thought people knew that. I mean, she didn't... As far as I know, there was no, there was no conviction of taking cocaine. The police have said they weren't going to... To, uh, to be prosecuting her at all. She did admit in court that, yes, she had taken cocaine. Uh, apparently, she's thought to have tried to enter America by registering online for permission to travel and confirming she'd not been arrested or convicted of offences, which is absolutely true. It was just that it came out in court and then people sort of jumped on a on a bandwagon, I'm afraid. But they are very they are very moral in America, aren't they? I mean, they've got very strict laws banning people convicted of serious crimes or drugs offences. But, I mean, she's not been charged with any drugs offences at all. So, I mean, I mean, she can get a waiver, but that can take anything up to six months. And as far as I'm aware, she does a lot of her jobs 
in America and a lot of her jobs over here. So she's, she splits her time. I mean, most British citizens, I think, who visit America do not need a visa. You have to register online before the trip under the electronic, uh, the ESTA things, which, I've, which I do as well. And then the uh, approval lasts for about two years. As part of the application, you've got to confirm you've never been arrested for or convicted of an offence involving moral turpitude. Criminality, including everything from murder to willful tax evasion or relating to illegal drugs. But she hasn't been convicted of anything. This, this only came up in court because they asked her if she'd taken cocaine and she said yes. And I should imagine you could probably go through the entire government and find somebody who'd done some sort of drugs in there. So now you've got to apply to the US Embassy for a visa. Most cases she could have a, you know, face-to-face interview. But she was never convicted of anything, so I don't understand why they've, why they've turned her away. There was no conviction. She was never even questioned by the police about it. They thought about it, if you remember. The paper's getting quite excited that she might be questioned, but she wasn't. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, packing for a holiday, the essentials for her a hat, mustard and salt. She takes English mustard... In a tube with her. It's quite sweet, isn't it? More of the paper today is a story we did ages ago about the uh, the policeman stopping Sophie Vaughan. Remember Sophie Vaughan, who was sipping a slush puppy while sitting in, in, in traffic? And so she got fined for it. And the Met Police have said... Because it took four, four police officers to come round and arrest her for this offence of drinking a slush puppy. And I've said, technically, you're supposed to have two hands on the wheel. That's the law. Keep two hands on the wheel, you're fine. You do see people drinking and eating. I've done it. I hold my hands up. I've done that. I have, I have had a bottle of water, and I do have a bottle of water on the seat next to me in the car. Never used to, but now I, I do, and I'm more than happy to keep it there. I kind of worry about it. I mean, I've, I have actually had a roll before now. But technically, you've got... To, and she was seen by a bloke on a bicycle, and he then called in other people as well. And so she got fined £100. I mean, she can appeal against it. And if they really think that it's, that it's you know, not something that warrants a £100 fine and three penalty points, then they will obviously, they will obviously knock it off. Unfortunately, says Lynn, I had to go out yesterday and the pollution did affect my asthma. One saving grace is two years ago I bought a portable air filter, so my kitchen was an oasis of clean air. I couldn't read at all then, did you notice? I stumbled over every ridiculous word. I was on a downward trend, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Don't forget it's Call Clegg today. With Nick Ferrari. It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? The day after the other debate. I think the first debate was the only one you ever needed to worry about. You can catch that on the LBC website. They're going to be talking about the day of the dust with Dr Alan Marion Davis and looking at the plight of Yashika. You know, the girl, the Mauritian student who's been deported by the British government. She's overstayed. She's an overstayer. She's not supposed to be here. Whether she's in the middle of her exams is immaterial to them. They've said she can continue her exams in Mauritius. But I think 175,000 people... Uh, signed something on Facebook in an effort to get her to stay, and the school said, no, we wanted to stay and do this, but whichever way you look at it, she's an overstayer. And as such, she has to go back, I'm afraid. Nick will be talking about that today uh, with the founder of the Oasis Academy, which is where she goes to school. I mean, the, the, the situation is still developing. I think they're still aware that they're going to, to look after her and make sure that she gets through her exams, which, which can only be good news. Uh, interesting. An opening for a little-used presenter, Steve. You know, the bloke with the white hair. I think his name is Pip Schofield. Yes, Pip Schofield has got a new programme coming up on the television. 
It's called Back in the Room or something like that. It's about a hypnotist, and it's a game show involving people who've been hypnotised. Not a lot I can say about it. That's about as far as I. That's as far as I know what it is. But I just my, my argument, well, my if I had a, a a beef with it, would be not Philip Schofield again, please. Can't we find somebody else? But then there isn't anybody else. You're not going to give it to that joke, which is Rylan. You're not going to. There isn't anybody else. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who can obviously carry the weight of a programme. And the trouble is, because he's he's good at it, he's obviously got hands down. At one time, I was the only newsreader on LBC. There were no other freelance newsreaders, so I got all the shifts. And then somebody else turned up, and I was quite disappointed, really. <laughs> so I should imagine Philip, Philip Schofield is probably thinking roughly the same thing. Let's take a look at the front pages of the papers for this morning as we uh, plough through up to the 3rd of April. Uh, still to come, Jennifer Saunders, who says, I believe in ghosts. Some people do. Some people believe in angels, don't they? Some people believe in... All sorts of things. Some people believe that there is a man on the moon. Some people believe the moon is made of green cheese. Somebody believe, some people believe in the Loch Ness Monster. You know, they say it really exists, and the only reason we, we haven't found it is because it quite clearly doesn't breathe, and it was never there in the first place. But there is a little Japanese man living in a caravan by the side of Loch Ness, and he, uh, he's constantly scouring the... Well, he's not found it. All they come up with is a few hazy pictures. But we've all got phones on our cameras. I took a picture yesterday as we were going back down the river, which I thought was fairly good. Telegraph, confusion over government warnings about it, as some healthy school children were allegedly kept indoors yesterday and asthma sufferers advised to avoid, avoid strenuous exercise. So anybody with heart and lung problems, really not so good for you. Cambridge, and it deserves to be clouded by smog. It's the picture in The Independent. Its main story is about the 47-year-old British woman who's been arrested in Iran and fears execution for insulting Islam on Facebook. Never a clever thing to do. I thought people would have learned by now, but sometimes you can't help the terminally stupid. Keep kids out of killer smog, says The Mirror, as it reports on the warnings over the Sahara dust cloud. Uh, according to The Sun, today's weather will be dusty. Some parts of the UK hit 10 out of 10 on the official dirty air scale. The Express is doing the soaring house prices. The value of average homes rises by £16,000. I watched one of those programmes the other day on the telly where they sell properties at auction. It went for £10,000, this house. A mid-terrace, £10,000 house. And I thought, good Lord, it's amazing. I mean, in London, people come down here and they look at the price, they go, I think we'll go back to Nutsford. It's an awful lot cheaper up there. You get some really lovely houses, you know, in villages, what you would pay here. And it's not unusual to find a house at 15 million, 20 million, 32 million for a flat. I know there is a flat at 32 million above the Woolsey restaurant in London. It's quite nice. And I looked at it thinking if I won 109 million, I'd probably buy it. And then I looked at the service charge and I thought 100 and £40,000 a year. I'm far too mean to pay anything like that. The Times carries a story on the Prime Minister being urged to rewrite the rules of the 2015 election in favour of the Conservatives if Scotland votes for independence. The I newspaper. More calls from the head of Ofsted for children as young as two to start school as part of an overhaul of early years education. Another story in The Guardian relating to schools again, reporting that GCSEs will be linked to grades achieved by 16- and 17-year-olds in China under plans being unveiled by the exam regulator. And, of course, it's Nigella Lawson featuring on the front of the mail claiming the celebrity cook was stopped from flying to America. But I'd, I'm, I might take issue with it and say, I don't really see how she can be. She's not been convicted of anything, so she's admitted taking something. Is that enough to be banned from America? Good God, you have to close down Las Vegas. And the Daily Star have uh, uh, a new TV show about Roma migrants coming to Britain. 
Like me, my big fat Roma migrant or something like that. The same as the big fat gypsy weddings. Who knows? And of course, we've got all the uh, the favourite showbiz stories. It's quarter past six. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at seven this morning. Backlash on that Mauritian student deported by the British government for staying too long in Britain on a travel visa. This uh, Saharan smog. And for asthmatics or people with bronchial problems, it can only make it worse. There's another unmissable edition of Call Clegg. As the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg joins us fresh from round two of the EU debate with Nigel Farage. Looks so much better on LBC. Uh, Oliver Duff, editor of The Eye, is looking through the papers for this morning. Also have the latest on the killings at Fort Hood. This is the same base where Nadal Hassan, a US Army major who turned to radical Islam, killed 13 people and wounded more than 30 in 2009. Believing in ghosts is one of the uh, one of the main stories in the mail today. Strangely enough, it's uh, Jennifer Saunders. She claims she may have been even haunted by her late grandmother after inadvertently moving into her old address. She said, it could have been all in my head, but when I was younger, I thought I saw ghosts quite frequently. Well, some people do believe that, don't they? I'm not sure I believe it, unless one wants to appear in this studio now and sit down and have a little chat. I'd quite like that idea. But there again, you'd, you'd always have to hope that everybody else could see this person at the same time. You're never totally of the opinion that they can, are you, really? Uh, And uh, Sam, for ears, me and Joey are really good. It's about all she's got in her life, really. She might as well latch on to somebody whose star is on the ascendant, whereas hers is very much on the descent. And so she's quitting The Only Way is Essex. She needs... I need to take some time away to help with my relationship with Joey Essex. Uh, I predict it's doomed... You can't go out with somebody and then split up with somebody and then go back out with somebody. It just gets shorter and shorter each time. But uh, she's leaving the series. Thank God for that. Couldn't have happened quicker as far as I'm concerned. And so because they do everything so publicly and because most of this is a story, it's just pretend. I mean, she doesn't actually have anything to do apart from stand in her shop and just be a shop girl again. But uh, they had people there like Jessica. I don't know what sort of party this was. Arge, who is the, uh, the fat blob in there, who used to go out with Gemma Collins but only briefly, because she's a bit of an embarrassment, uh, was looking devastating while Sam for here was saying that she was going to be quitting, whereas I thought we all knew about this months ago, so perhaps they're not as bright as we thought. And then, of course, who turns up? A surprise return to Lydia Dim. Yes, Lydia Dim turned up in the programme, and, of course, Arge was uh, over-chatting to her, and, of course, Gemma Collins did the usual bursting into tears bit. It's hilarious, isn't it, the programme? It's so badly acted, you seriously believe that these people are actually real. Oh, no, wait a minute, they are real. It's the scenarios which are made up for your entertainment pleasure. So the more punch-ups we have in the Anywhere's Essex, the happier we'll be. Talking of punch-ups, still, still tweeting pictures of her stomach and drawing pictures of it. Yes, the ghastly Carrie Katona, still really sure what to do with her life. I suppose just sort of sell stories. I mean, she, she's, got, she's got the wedding, so she will make some money at some point. But then after that, goodness only knows what's going to be going on with her life, I'm afraid. Uh, if the USA... Won't let people into the country because they've taken cocaine. Does that mean anybody who's due to be extradited to America, if they took cocaine, they wouldn't be able to go? Well, it's worth thinking about, isn't it? I'm sure that some clever lawyer somewhere has thought of something like that. Because I don't really believe that she's been refused entry to America because she's not been charged with anything at all. It's like saying, you know, I mean, you could probably ask quite a number of people, and if they said under oath, yes, I have taken cocaine, but I didn't deal in it, and I've never been convicted, and the police decided to take no action at all, that would be enough. That would be enough, I think. I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand why she'd be turned back. She's been going backwards and forwards to America for ages, ages and ages. 
House price boom spreading from the capital to the counties. We're doing quite well, actually. Manchester, that's risen. The house prices there by 18%. 18%. It's not bad, is it? Uh, but some of, the, uh, some of the big rises in this country, the, the one-year rise, if I tell you that in Sheffield it was 11%, in Cambridge up 14%. 14% the health right. But, I mean, nobody wants to live in Cambridge, do they, really? It's not as exciting as you think. There's a lot of crime there. A lot of crime in Cambridge. Every time I turn on the television, there's more crime in Cambridge. But in and around London, nothing like Brent, which is uh, just one particular area, 31% increase in the price of property. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal. No wonder nobody can afford to actually come and live down here. The story on the front of the uh, Metro today, Cameron Diaz wearing all leather... But a businessman who bled to death on the road in front of his helpless friend, he was stabbed by carjackers who wanted his Mercedes. This is Harjinder Singh Burji. Tried to stop the robbers taking his £33,000 car. His friend, Kajal Badwa, was dragged out of the passenger seat as the attackers allegedly threatened to slit her throat. The carjackers then drove away with their mobiles, leaving her unable to call for help as Harjinder died on the roadside. I mean, it's it's really tragic that people will actually sort of practically take somebody's life in their hand to steal a car worth £33,000. It's just ridiculous. Um, Victoria Beckham is counted among the cream of British designers by some fashionistas. Not, unfortunately, by Dolce & Cabana, uh, world experts. The former Spice Girls' designs were compared to by Stefano Gabbana to those found in high street chains. He said, she's a friend, she make a good job, but for us, she don't make the same way like a fashion designer. She'd become after many, 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 many different things. She's designer, but it's another, it's different. John Galliano, designer, Alexander McQueen. And then he lumped Posh in the same bracket as a designer for shops like Zara and H&M. This is this new... Um, Glamour of Italian Fashion exhibition at the V&A Museum. It's worth going to see, actually. They have some fantastic things down. There's some really fantastic... But anyway, he heaped praise on Vivian Westwood as one of the most important fashion designers in the world. I was looking at pictures down at the Bailey exhibition, National Portrait Gallery, of Molly Parkin and people like that wearing these peculiar outfits. (laughs) Some of them are just so bizarre, you think, where does anybody ever wear these things? So they say uh, Victoria Beckham's designs look more primani than posh. Obviously, so. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know where she ever trained to be. I mean, I suppose anybody could just... I mean, I, I don't quite see Victoria Beckham sitting down there doing designs and stuff like that. I just don't. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, but good luck for everybody. Don't forget, you can download this programme. You can go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you can learn how to podcast. Not difficult. Not difficult at all. And you can... Um, and you can also get our free podcast, which we have every day up for you as well. So the free podcast will be up very, very shortly. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 4am. If you missed any of the show, go to the LBC website and download the app now for the new podcast service. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from 7 with breakfast. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.